Hey everybody, Jeff Antoniak here. Welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz Videos. Well, today I wanna to talk about motivic improvisation, taking an idea and repeating it. The best music in the world, it doesn't matter if it's classical music or jazz or Brazilian or funk or whatever it is, uses this idea of taking an idea and repeating it. Now, so many of the improvisers I hear will play a fantastic idea and then they'll play something else and then they'll play something else. That can work. That's hard to do. It would be like me talking to you about uh, dairy farming for, uh, <laughs> for a sentence. And then I'll talk to you about uh, a car I'd like to buy. And then I'll talk to you about saxophone reads. And then I'll talk to you about my trip to the veterinarian today. That's going to be hard to follow. And you would turn that video off. You should turn that video off. Instead, I'm talking to you about a topic. If you're interested in my topic, you're gonna love this video. Now, that's what your solo should be like. It should have ideas that keep coming back. And now this goes back to classical music, right? This goes back to Mozart and Scarlatti and before them, I'm sure. So let's see if we can figure out what to do here. Now today, what I wanna talk about are two simple elements we should be able to use. So one is repetition. If you want people to know what you're talking about, repetition, using that same idea over and over again is good, right? Use the same words, use the same topic. Repetition is huge. And the second one is we're going to use rhythm today. This is a colossal study. I mean, you know, people study this stuff for their lives. Um, and there's so many ways to do it. We can talk about augmentation and diminution and transposition and inversion and retrograde inversion and more fancy words than I know. But we're not going to do any of that. This is digging deeper. We're going to dig deep on one idea. Now, here's the thing. Repetition sounds easy. Rhythm sounds easy. And if you're a semi-pro or a pro, you're getting ready to hit the off button. Let me say, before you hit the off button, uh, you may need it more than anybody. And I've had this experience teaching professionals and grad students and things like that. Typically, people with a ton of vocabulary, like a good grad student, they want to play all that stuff they know. They're the worst offenders a lot of the time. So the really high-end players have to really sometimes think and slow themselves down and stay with a topic instead of playing endless streams of cool stuff they know. That can be interesting. And that can be a drag. I paid a lot of money to hear people who, frankly, should kind of know better. They're just playing endless stuff that's not referring to anything. It's not developing. It's just, here's things I know. That's boring. Don't do that. Don't do that. What I'm going to do today, uh, you'll see on the sheet some simple, repetitive rhythms. So I'm going to play the song, Yesterdays, written by Jerome Kern, just as an example. And what I'm going to do is challenge myself like item number one we see there, two eighth notes. Now, two eighth notes, we could agree, is sort of a bad idea. It's not a great motif. It's not a great topic for a fantastic jazz solo, right? Okay, well, let me tell you this. Uh, think about Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Da-da-da-da. That's a good idea. Those two pitches repeated a couple times. It's not a great idea. Beethoven could have done better. Frankly, Beethoven could have done better than that. But he wrote probably the most famous played, loved symphonic work of all time with that crappy motif. What did he do? Ah, so we're thinking it's not actually the motif, it's what he did with it. How he repeated it and inverted it and sped it up and slowed it down and reorchestrated it. That's the deal. But in there was repetition. He repeated it. 
So here's what I want to say is the motif that you use does not matter. I don't care if it's good. I don't care if it's bad. I don't care if it's simple. It doesn't matter. What matters is what you do with it. And the first thing you need to do is repeat it. When Beethoven wrote da 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 da, was the next thing he wrote da 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 da, he transposed it, but the bottom line is he repeated it. What came next? Tons of repetition. So I hear this from students all the time. When I tell them, you know, why don't you repeat, you know, that first thing you played was fantastic. Why don't you repeat that? Oh, that, that idea wasn't good. I'm just searching for something good. No, 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 no. Stop searching. Stop searching for something good. The first thing out of your instrument was fine. You should have developed that. All right, let's give this a try. Um, I'm going to use these uh, two eighth notes, and I'm going to play through this song yesterday's. It's a 16-measure long song. I'll play it twice through, maybe. I'm going to start just straight repeating those notes. I'll change pitches a little bit, but um, just going to use those that rhythm, and then I'll start developing a little bit, and we'll see as I develop it, can you still hear my motif in there? Okay, two eighth notes. Not a brilliant idea, but you can make something out of that. And the interesting part is then how we develop it. But the main thing I want you to do is just learn to repeat it. Now, here's a very, very important thing to remember. And uh, let's talk about bricks for a second, like those you know red bricks that we build stuff out of. Why are those red bricks so small? Like they can make those things bigger and it'd be less messing around with bigger bricks, right? Okay, so it turns out, uh, by the way, I've never been a bricklayer, so my apologies to all the bricklayers out there if I'm getting this wrong. I know I'm not, though. Um, if those bricks were 20 feet long, if a brick was five meters long, you wouldn't be able to do as much with it, right? You can't make a one meter long wall with a five meter long brick. It's too big. You can't carry it around. It's too heavy. It's a pain in the butt. Think about making a beautiful arch into your garden. You can do that with red bricks. They're small enough that they can make a curve. Well, with that 20 foot long brick, that arch is gonna have to be pretty tall, right? It's not gonna work. So the smaller the brick, the more you can do with it. Ah, so the smaller the motif. Beethoven, of course, knew this. The smaller the idea, the more you can do with it. So again, to my advanced buddies out there, um, we tend to play licks that are like three or four measures long. That's my idea. What? What the heck can you do with that? You can't even remember it, let alone repeat it, let alone start flipping it around and transposing and things like that. Listen to the greats. They use small, short ideas. Let's try number two.
Okay, interesting. Now, <laughs> I played myself into a couple cor a couple corners there. I don't know if you heard it or kind of saw me, my fingers freaking out. This is one of the valuable things about this is uh, I'm limiting myself, right? The, that motif is making me get creative. So I would paint myself into a corner a couple times. That's good. That's really, really good. I was forcing myself to play that motif, the rhythm in this instance, over correct notes. There were times I played notes that were not right. By the way, I could re-record that and edit it in pretty easily, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here showing off. I'm showing you the process, right? So I would now practice this for about 20 or 30 or 200 more courses until I'm fluid with that idea, right? Beethoven probably didn't write the fifth, fifth symphony straight through. And we're talking about a genius. He probably went back and fixed some things. For us jazz musicians, that's called practice, right? Okay, let's try uh, number three. Okay, more screwing up. This is really tricky. That was called the Charleston rhythm. Two notes. I know that rhythm very, very well. But again, this is the interesting thing about it is when you force yourself to develop these ideas, um, it really engages a lot going on. So I am thinking about the pitches. These rhythms are now making me think about pitches. As a drummer, you have these rhythms, but now how are you going to orchestrate the rhythm? Is it this tom or that tom? Is it the bass drum? Is it the bell of your crash cymbal? So it's really, really cool. It forces you to think differently. And we can all agree that this motivic playing is where great classical music comes from. It's where every pop hit comes from, right? That chorus that gets sung 20, 25 times in three and a half minutes. Repetition, right? People know this works. By the way, if you write a hit song because of this video, um, I'd love 20% or a cup of coffee or something like that. Deal? Okay, good deal. Let's uh, move on. Now, item four, you can see here, what I did is just gave myself a two-measure rhythm. Now, this is a longer brick. This is more challenging. It's more to remember. It's perhaps harder to develop, so we'll see what happens. One thing I will say about all these ideas, you'll notice there is at least as much space as there are notes right? Look at item number one. It's three quarters silence. That's good. Look at number two. Half of that is silence, right? Look at number three. More than half of it is silence. Um, look at number four. Again, there's a lot of space in these ideas. That's on purpose. Here's number four.
All right, several ideas for you of rhythms. It, the, the rhythm, again, the rhythm just doesn't matter. I picked rhythms that had a swinging quality to them. What does that mean? Partially how I articulated, lots of you know syncopated short notes in there. By syncopation, I mean the end of two, the end of three, the end of four, those sort of things, and a lot of space. That's the important thing. But these four rhythms could keep you busy for a good long time. And when you can do it on the song Yesterdays, go on to the Sonny Rollins song Doxy, or go on to the John Coltrane song Moments Notice. There's an infinite number of tunes out there, and if you can do, if you can manipulate these four rhythms in an interesting way, you've transformed your playing. You literally have transformed your playing. So I hope you found this interesting. And uh, please check out jazzwire.net. We're launching this fall, and this is the kind of thing we're going to be digging into, but not just in a quick drive-by kind of way we did it here today, which is very valuable. You do this stuff, you'll be good. But at Jazzwire, we'll be touching bass and comparing notes and it's going to be a fantastic way to get so much further with this information. So I'd love to hear, first of all, leave some comments. I want to know who your favorite players, your favorite motivic players or composers, who do you think does a fantastic job of this? And I'd love to get your impression and practice this a little bit and see how it works for you. I'd love to know some of your favorite devices. Do you like transposing ideas, which we didn't get into here, right? We were talking about rhythm. Do you like speeding ideas up, slowing them down? There's so many ways to go. So thank you for paying attention here and uh, for tuning in and subscribing. And uh, we'll see you next time. Check out jazzwire.net. Can't wait to work with you there. All right. Take care.